Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! Normally? We came, we saw, we kicked its ass! Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Well, this is the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us once again, uh, or joining us for the first time if you're not joining us again, because you may be totally brand new here and you just stumbled through the door and you're not quite sure where you are and you're still a little dazed and confused. But uh, if that's the case, welcome. Uh, I, I don't know what you did to get here, but welcome. If you're dazed and confused, you may as well just be a host. That's also true, too. It, it, it's kind of our normal state. Yes. Speaking of hosts, who all's here? First of all, I'm John Reed. I'm your host. Uh, but I have with me my other hosts, Jeff Mazuka. Hi. How are you doing, Jeff? You know what? I'm all right. It's, uh, we're, we're, well, just for anybody who hasn't been listening before, we are all teachers, and it's December. And I, yeah, it's, uh, it's, all, it's crunch time a little bit. Yeah. But so far, you know, it's, it's one day at a time. There we go. One day at a time. Yeah. One Best way to deal with that, just one day at a time. There you go. Yep. yep. All right. Speaking of handling things one day at a time, I also have Pat Canagallo. Oh, oh. Hey, hey, hey. How, how are you doing handling things one day at a time? Oh, man. You know what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Jeff, well, and John both back me up, but uh, things are, well, things are going well. And I think one day at a time is, you know, just take it as it comes. But I'll tell you one thing. There is a great disturbance in the force when I walk in our building and I sense it with like the faculty and the students and everybody. And maybe it's just that I'm becoming more aware of it and that it's always been there, but it seems like everyone just needs break. You know what I'm saying? People a little, uh, a little on edge. I, I, I sense that just even about the littlest minutia. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, the littlest minutia. I guess that was kind of, okay, that was stupid. Uh, but even the, like, just little things, I, you know, I just, I just sense in conversations with other staff, it, it, faculty, it's just like, hey, did the blah, 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 blah. Oh, oh, so that's how it's going to be then. Well, no, it's, it's not a thing. Let's just, everybody, it's okay. But it's like people are... People are just finding ways to kind of be frustrated, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. which is which is kind of funny. Well, we got we got what do we got? Well, we got like a week and a half until until it's break time. Yeah, I, yeah I, something I, like that. Yeah. So hopefully we can all make it a week and a half without killing each other. Yeah. Well. Well, no. loyal listeners, go ahead and start placing your bets. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we're, we're talking a little uh, Ernest Goes to Camp tonight, but before we do that, I thought we'd jump in real quick to uh, this little little tiny news item that's been happening uh, for the last, it's been more in the news for the last maybe week, week and a half or so. Um, apparently, the mouse is going to buy the fox. Dude. And there's, there's some implications for that. So um, Disney apparently is going to be purchasing portions of uh, 20th Century Fox. 
And that will include the movie studios. Uh, it will include some of the television properties. Uh, it will not include like the Fox Channel, so nothing like The Simpsons and X-Files and all that other stuff. Uh, but it will include their FX channel. It will include, I believe, some of the sports channels. Um, and so they're going to be merging that into a lot of the other Disney stuff. The other thing I heard was that, I, I believe, I heard somewhere that Fox has a like a one-third, like a 33% uh, interest in Hulu. And so Disney has been wanting to have their own streaming service to compete with Netflix for quite some time. And I, it kind of sounds like, if I put two and two together, it kind of sounds like that would be a big step towards them just taking something that they know already has a lot of subscribers and just kind of mm -hmm. folding their service into Hulu. Well, they, I mean, they've um, announced that they're going to start their own streaming service right. at a very competitive cost to uh, uh, what Netflix costs. Right. So the idea is they need, they, they want to try to build a catalog. I mean, other than just their own, which sounds ridiculous because, you know, you, when you stop and you think about all the properties and movies that Disney now has control of, it's a vast, but then to be able to take the Fox movie studios uh, library and call it their own as well is going to make it a very enticing um, a very enticing competitor for Netflix again especially if they keep the costs uh, for a subscriber to uh, to a minimal to a minimal number yeah mm -hmm. my favorite thing of this whole merger because some of the different properties that they would be um, that they would be taking over would be things like uh, Die Hard and the Planet of the Apes movies and the Aliens movies. One of my favorite things I heard today uh, was from the IGN Movies podcast. They said, uh, and I think they got this from somewhere else, um, they said, just so that we're all clear now, because every alien in the movie Aliens is born from an alien queen, that means every alien is now a Disney princess. Wow. And I'm excited for that. I would love to see, I would love to see some kind of a crossover I, the one I the one I mentioned to somebody else was cool. Then let's have like a Star Wars Guardians of the Galaxy Aliens crossover, where aliens are invading the Star Wars universe, and Groot is the uh, is a living force tree that has to save everybody. Well, let's just smash this so all together I, and have fun. I'm going to ask this: Didn't Disney merge with something earlier, like a month ago? Wasn't that Sony? They oh, you no, know, they didn't merge with them, but they were they've been working out the, some of the Marvel properties so that they can bring gotcha. Spider-Man and and some of that other stuff over from Sony. But this one's kind of interesting because Fox has the rights to X-Men and Fantastic Four. That's okay. So this is that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. So that's happened and okay. Yeah. And so what has and the merger with Fox and Disney has not happened yet. So they are apparently it's and I haven't checked the news in the last few hours, but apparently it's just a matter of maybe not even days, but a matter of hours uh, until they finally do that deal. Now, I can imagine there's probably some people that will start to contest that because Disney's already very, very big and getting bigger. Um, mm -hmm. The one thing that you, I think, would be most interested in, Pat, with this is mm -hmm. um, that there was, um, I think it was a few months ago, that... Um, 
they did say Wolverine. There's a possibility of Hugh Jackman coming back as Wolverine if it was part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Huh. So he said the I only think that'd be well, for him to come yeah, back. I think he said the only reason I would come back is if it was if Marvel was going to be in control of the X Men movies. He said then I would come back and do Wolverine at least one more time. But if if that doesn't huh. happen, then I'm not coming back and I'm done. Uh, but if it does happen, then there's a possibility, good possibility, I'd come back. And so now that seems like more than a good possibility because now Disney will own X-Men and Fantastic Four. And some people are kind of rumoring that, that then Fantastic Four being a pretty integral part of, of Marvel in their history, that that could be kind of the big overarching storyline uh, featuring the Fantastic Four once we're done with Infinity War and all this other Infinity Gauntlet stuff. Yeah. So, but there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. So, I guess one of my first questions for us, and we'll just we'll take a couple minutes to talk about this. But one of my first questions for us would be, um, do you see this as a good thing? Because it it brings it brings some positive stuff with it in terms of being fans of all these things, like to be able to see the X Men alongside the Avengers, or or you know to bring all this stuff into Disney, who's who's just got a great. Uh, you know, machine that they can just churn this stuff out and they can bring more of what we like. But that also means that they're getting very, very big. And some people are a little worried by that. So what's, what's your, what would be your take on that? Go ahead, Pat. Oh, I, I was, I was waiting for you to jump in. Well, I mean, I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to speak from the heart. I, I mean, if, if, uh, if I get to see Wolverine on the big screen, I'm all good with that. And I, um, um, you know, to see Hugh Jackman in that role would just be outstanding. Uh, again, I, I also think that if they decide to go to someone new, um, that would be cool to see how they changed that up. You know, I, I don't, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any problems with that. And I, I guess, and this is speaking of my, um, character bias, but I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing, that up there again or, or, or any of the X-Men. And, you know, I suppose there's two different ways to look at it. You know, I think you might look at the, whoever the writers are for the Marvel movies. Um, you know, from one side, it, people that aren't quite as much fans could look at that and just say, oh, well, they're just turning it out. They're just turning it out. You know, it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of run its course. That's just, it's just too much. But then from the other side is we might look back on this in history and just say, my gosh, Marvel just came out that, that, you know, whatever the year spanned from when the first, uh, you know, Iron Man to whenever they closed the book on the Marvel Universe movies, there, people might look back and just say, my gosh, look at how creative they, look at what they came up with. I mean, and just bringing all these comic book things, really bringing that to life. And, it, you know, I would like to see X-Men get the, get the Disney treatment and see how that whole thing fits together or you know, crossover between the new characters, um, or the new characters, crossover between all the different Marvel properties. Um, Hugh Jackman, I, I, would, I would love to see him in that role. I would have absolutely, you know, I, I would have no qualms with plunking down money to go see him in the theater as that. That being said, um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a, another character or another actor pick up, uh, pick up, the, pick up the claws, so to speak, and, um, you know, seeing him take it, take the, take the character in a different direction. 
And uh, I mean, it was Hugh Jackman himself actually floated Tom Hardy. He says, yeah, if Tom Hardy plays Wolverine, he says, that would be my pick. That would be the guy that, you know, you'd want playing it. Um, and so my, my brain just started racing. And um, uh, yeah, that would, be, that would be very exciting. So, I mean, <laughs> your big, your big uh, macro question, I got very micro very quick and, and just said, yeah, more Wolverine, that's more better. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'd have no problems with it. Again, I just keep going back to, okay, if the movies are good, I'll go. If the movies are not good, then no go. And, and that really doesn't affect my day-to-day too much. Yeah. Jeff, how are you feeling about it? Um, I'm torn. On one hand, Disney has done wonderful things with the properties that they've acquired. And I know that any property that they acquire is going to be in good hands. However, there is something to be said about avoiding a monopoly. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I'd be worried that too many things are going to be getting the, I don't want to say the Disney treatment, but uh, just the being run in the way that they do their business. Now, again, their business is successful, um, but, you know, variety is the spice of life. Mm-hmm. And the idea that there's multiple movie studios out there allows for more, more opportunity for, uh, for, for more stories to be told, more filmmakers to be, uh, to, to be able to share with, uh, with the world or what have you. Yeah. What I've been trying to figure out is why does Fox feel the need to sell? And that, that's what I haven't been able to, uh, not that I've done much, or any research on this, but this is a question I've been pondering over the last couple of days as this story has been developing is why does Fox feel the need to sell off all of these properties or all, you know, all, all these parts of their corporation? Yeah. So I don't know if you've heard anything or not, but um, now I do know that Disney wasn't the only company in the running. Uh, Comcast, I believe was also playing the game and, and had a out there. But as of, I don't know, sometime this afternoon, I think Comcast withdrew their bid. Yeah. And so uh, now Disney is the only company that is pursuing the acquisition of uh, Fox movie studios and these, uh, these other properties that they're trying to get rid of. So I don't know, as long as there's not a, total monopoly by Disney taking over the visual entertainment medium, then I think we'll be okay. But, you know, you never know because in the last couple of years, they bought Lucasfilm, they bought Marvel, they bought, and now, you know, they might be buying, might be buying Fox. They are, they're working in partnership with Sony. So you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. But, you know. And and John, I want to get. I, I don't want. I want to make sure you get a chance to throw your take in there. But I guess um, my my question would be. I wonder, or my comment would be. I wonder. I wonder if they're selling. You know, if if uh, I keep saying Sony, it's Fox. If Fox is selling their properties off, 
maybe because they say, you know what, we're not going to be making any more money on them. We're not going to be making any more movies. We kind of think that's run its course. So we're going to sell it off. We'll make some money on it and then we'll move on in other directions. But, you know, maybe, I mean, that could that be a reason why they're going to, that they're selling off these properties? We'll see that they're going to be making any more money on them. It could be. It could be because I, one of the things that I read, I was reading through some articles on uh, like CNBC and uh, Wall Street Journal and some of these other places, and I was trying to find an answer to that question because I was curious too. I'm like, why? I mean, Fox is huge. Why would they be mm-hmm. trying to sell to Disney? And I maybe it was the other way around that Disney offered them a deal. They just you know they they wouldn't be able to refuse. And um, one of the things that I found that might kind of answer that question. I think it was uh, from a Reuters article and it mentioned in there that Fox executives had been talking for a while and that they were concerned that they would not be able to, in the near future, they wouldn't be able to compete with Amazon and Netflix and some of those others. And apparently that's a big worry that's running through a lot of the major studios right now is they're seeing more of the internet companies start to really gain traction and, and they're really taking away a lot of their business and, you know, when, when you're Fox and most of what you do is all visual entertainment, then you've got something like, well, I mean, Netflix, I guess, is the same way, but you've got something like Amazon, and Amazon does pretty much everything. And Fox, my understanding from this article is some of the Fox executives have been saying things like, you know, we just can't, almost like what you said, Pat, we've reached the point where we are as big as we are going to get. We can't scale ourselves up to compete with these other companies on our own. We're going to need somebody bigger than us. Um, you know, so kind of aligning yourself with the bigger kid in the schoolyard so that you make sure you're not pushed around by any of the other really big kids. Um, yeah. So I guess it, it, we've kind of reached a point where even a big kid like Fox is no longer one of the big kids and uh, is worried about, you know, getting lost in the shuffle of, of the way the entertainment industry seems to be going. Um, so that kind of sounded like one thing. I know that I read somewhere else too, that, uh, Disney president, Bob Iger is retiring in 2019. Mm -hmm. And so he's kind of, I think he's kind of looking to do some, not restructuring, but do a little, a little shuffling around, see if he can find somebody that he thinks would be a good, uh, replacement for himself as the, the head of Disney. There have been rumors, um, and I don't know how true they are. There've been rumors that, he might be thinking about running for president in 2020. Mm-hmm. So then Disney actually would own everything at that point. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so I've heard a few different things here and there, but the one I've, I think I've heard most often is that Fox is just kind of worried that they've gotten as big as they can get and they need help to get bigger. Um, mm-hmm. And that Disney is the company that I think between the different companies, Jeff, like you said, between Disney and Comcast, I think in the deal that they are going to get, one of the things I read was that the Fox executives would be preferred to be paid in Disney stock rather than Comcast stock. Mm-hmm. So those, so business side of things, that's what I've been able to, to glean from checking out some articles in the last couple of days or so. But I, that kind of, it kind of sounds like a deal where they want to scale this up and they want to continue to grow just like Netflix and Amazon and all these others are. They just don't feel like they can do it on their own. So they want to, they want to kind of throw in with Disney and, and let Disney be the one that gets them the platform that they need. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm just going to say, I mean, you know, Jeff, you mentioned that you were torn and I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that, and it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? I, I, 
I get where you're coming from because, yeah, you, you don't want it just to be all one movie house controlling everything. But that being said, you know, if you look at the movies that, you know, have come out this year, um, you know, you got Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you have Thor Ragnarok, and, you know, uh, you have um, Spider-Man uh, Homecoming, which I still have yet to see. But, uh, I mean, yeah, they're all like Disney Marvel type stuff. But they, they, they seem to... And I don't, I don't know. It's just when I see it, it just seems to be kind of like um, they don't seem to be a reworked version of 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 the of the same movie. Do you get what I'm saying? I, I mean, you know, Thor was kind of Thor was written with a little bit more of a humorous uh, <laughs> slant to it. But the humor in that was still different than Guardians of the Galaxy. It wasn't like okay, well, the characters in Thor. This, that's just the, the Guardians of the Galaxy with different characters. I mean, the characters seem to be very unique. Um, you know, they also control Star Wars, but it's like, in, and we'll have to see with the, with the new Star Wars movie coming out, um, but it doesn't seem to be like, wow, Star Wars has just kind of become, you know, Marvel, the Avengers, but just with Star Wars characters, with lightsabers. You know, and as long as, 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 the, as the story, say, differentiated, and again, I, I might be all wet. I don't have any inside line to the movie studios and all that. Even if it is all controlled by Disney, maybe they just say, okay, you know, we've got all these properties, but, you know, over here in this room, this is the Marvel writers. They are going to be doing that. Okay, over here, we're going to have another group of writers doing that. And, you know, we're going to let them have autonomy to keep these stories going, but it's just all within the Disney shroud. So... It, I mean, does, does that thought make sense? I mean, as long as that continues to happen, I think we'll be okay. I think the problem is if all of a sudden Star Wars starts being like the Avengers starts being, and all the Avengers characters start being the same. And, you know, I think that's when you start to have the problem with the monopoly. That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of my take on it too. And I, I'm not going to speak for, for you, Jeff. You can chime in here too, but um, that's kind of my take on it is I'm excited to see these characters get, like Jeff said, the Marvel treatment um, and the Disney treatment. But at the same time, as Jeff also put it, uh, mentioned, um, you know, you've, you've then you kind of automatically have a, a loss of competition. And the whole thing about the monopoly is when you own everything, you, there's not really, unless you've got this really strong internal drive to try new things and to be experimental and, and to do that type of stuff, you're really not going to do it. I mean, if you've got a formula that works and it works well, then you're really not going to take too many risks. And for as much as DC and Warner Brothers has has really, you know, messed up uh, some of their movies, the one thing I will give them is they're trying something. And I feel like they're trying something different. They they took the, the superhero genre, they gave it a, a slightly different tone. Um, you know, it didn't really work all that well every time, but at least they were trying something a little bit different. And, and, you know, there's movies out there done by all these other, you know, smaller studios or, or some of the bigger ones where they're experimenting and they're doing different things. And I, that's one of the other things that I kind of worry about is, and, and maybe not worry about, but I'm, I'm excited to see these characters be done in a way that I know, like Jeff said, they're going to be taken care of and they're going to be done well. But I also don't want to lose as we end up with, what is it now, only five major studios. As we lose another major studio, I don't want it to get to the point where 
everything is owned by one company and nobody's taking risks anymore and nobody's trying something fresh and um yeah as i'm i'm probably saying everything you want to say jeff well i mean and and, and that's just it you know i i, I think of um smaller studios that are eventually going to get completely pushed out and up and coming filmmakers that, you know, what will have a thing to show at something like a, uh, uh, Toronto or Cannes film festival looking for a larger studio to help distribute, you know, if, if one studio starts to meld and really, be the studio. I just worry for, for all the, the younger storytellers or, or those that don't have the big platform, because, you know, if you go to Disney and say, I want to make this movie and they say, no, you know, then now you're looking at how many people that have to self fund whatever it is that they want to try to create. So having the multiple studio system, I think it's just it's it's better for the concept of filmmaking. It's better for it, it it's better for Hollywood. Has that has that been working though? Now, and you guys are far more knowledgeable on this than me because I think John you even read a book about this. But has that been working the last with the major studios? I mean, I I'd almost I'd almost say that we're kind of realizing that nightmare where the smaller, you know, the, the quote unquote little guy can't get the story that they want made even, you know, before we went from five studios to four or whatnot, it almost seems like that's happening anyways. Um, and you get this where, okay, well, if you want to make a movie, this is, you know, you got to check these boxes to make this movie. You can't, you know, you can't tell the story that you want to tell because today it would need to, it needs to fit into this mold or that mold or the other thing. You know, we talked about Mel Brooks. Would Mel Brooks be able to make movies like that in today's day and age? And, you know, we keep coming back with this resounding no, because one, sensibilities, but also two, John, and I think, John, you said you read this book that, that talked about how studios need to fit, you know, like fit a mold to make this happen. Um, you know, like a, a, a movie like The Matrix, you know, can we get something as, you know, like unique as when that came out? Well, not really, because everything needs to kind of fit a mold. And what do you see happening? Well, all the really creative stuff, we're starting to see that pop up on Amazon and, and Netflix. And I'm, 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 I'm slanting it towards, you know, my tastes, but on Amazon, what popped up on Amazon, but, um, oh shoot, what's it called? Um, Man in the High Castle, mm-hmm. and I can't, I can't wait for that. On Netflix, and you guys are going to laugh because you've been trying to get me to watch it for a year, but oh my gosh, Stranger Things, that blew the roof off the place. I mean, I can't believe how awesome that was. Well, that came out on Netflix, and it, it seems like what's happening is these, these bigger studios are already feeling the, the pinch of that, where, and, and I'll talk to people like my brother, you know, hey, are you going to go see, you know, are you going to go see Star Wars? Eh, maybe. And he's a big Star Wars fan. Are you going to go see any, you know, the Marvel thing? Eh, maybe. And I said, well, how come? And he says, well, it's, his take is, it's just all becoming the big studios telling us what we need to go see. This is the biggest blockbuster. This is going to be awesome. You need to go see it. And we'll be there. 
Some of them maybe, but some of them maybe not. And then he'll point to all these other smaller things that are coming out on Netflix or Hulu or, you know, the, the, the smaller, well, not smaller, I shouldn't say Amazon smaller, but um, these, uh, what am I trying to say? Internet streaming type channels, they're the ones getting the real creativity coming up. And Absolutely. it's interesting. And I, and I think, you know, I'm just kind of going scattershot, but, it, you know, Jeff, I think what you mentioned at the beginning was, or, or maybe John, um, that this is happening because, you know, Fox is feeling the pinch from the online streaming services. So it's, it's like, you know, it's kind of the chicken or the egg thing. You, you know, they're feeling the pinch because these streaming services are allowing the creativity that's coming up that people are loving because it's something new and unique. So they're having to band together just to stay afloat. But in that banding together, are, you know, is that just going to exacerbate the problem? Or is that going to allow them more leverage to tell creative stories? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that even made any sense, but I just said a lot of words. Well, I think that you're absolutely right, first of all, with the, uh, the idea of Netflix and Amazon and those becoming the, the new platforms for new storytellers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then again, you, you've got people, you know, it requires people to pay the money to be able to view that content. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I was I was looking up Hulu because I, I was curious. I didn't even know who all owned Hulu as of right now. And there's four companies that currently own Hulu. Disney already owns 30%. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fox owns 30%. Comcast owns 30%. And Turner Broadcasting owns the remaining 10 If this goes through, Disney's going to own 60% of Hulu. Mm -hmm. So how long before Hulu becomes the Disney streaming platform? Right. Or does Disney leave Hulu alone and create something completely their own. I, I, mean, I, I think they use it as their streaming platform because that's, you know, my sister works for uh, Reynolds Wrap and she's telling me all the time about different, you know, she kind of, her job is digital marketing and she's telling me all the time, she's like, oh, you, you better watch soon. You know, Walmart's going to be buying Jet.com because Walmart wants to compete with Amazon's delivery service and they want to try to compete with prime so instead of a lot of these companies instead of building it themselves they'll go out and they'll find one that's you know maybe not one of the big services but whatever they want to include into their company they'll go find one that's pretty successful but not huge so that they can buy it at a reasonable price and they'll just merge it into their own and i'm i keep seeing that with other bits and pieces here and there. Um, and I'm, I'm totally blanking out on what it is, but I saw another thing not too long ago where, uh, it was a, a company, an internet company that I'd heard of for a long time was getting purchased by some other bigger company because that bigger company wanted to add that service to their arsenal, but they didn't want to have to build it from scratch. So mm -hmm. I do kind of feel like, especially, and I, I didn't know how much I knew Fox owned about 30-some percent. I didn't know Disney owned that much as well. But to me, that just that automatically sounds like Disney wants this streaming service. They've wanted this streaming service for a while. And they've, you know, if this deal goes through, they've basically bought their streaming service. 
and, mm-hmm. and they don't have to do any of the work to get it started. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how, how that side of it plays out because, you know, I don't know what the deals are. I, I don't have Hulu. I don't subscribe to Hulu, so I don't really know what that, what that looks like down to the specifics of programming and, and what's available uh, through Hulu. But I have to imagine that other networks that have their shows airing on there, um, you know, they're going to be pulling them. Right. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see what, what happens to Hulu. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and then that explains a lot of the Disney content being pulled from Netflix, too. You know, you could, you could tell Disney was getting ready to, you know, get started with their streaming service. And, and it makes even more sense now that if they choose to go the route of just buying out the majority of Hulu, then they pull their stuff from Netflix and they just use Hulu as their platform. Oh, absolutely. I mean, D- Disney's been talking about creating their own, uh, their own streaming service for quite a while. Mm-hmm. You said this seems to be a ready-made service that, through this acquisition, well, um, the thing that Disney's waiting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, before we move on to our uh, earnest stuff, is there anything else we want to say about the the Disney Fox stuff? Again, I, I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting to see certain characters get brought into the Marvel side of things. Um, I just my only hesitation is I think it sounds like the same as yours, Jeff. That it's you know does that does your lack of diversity or variety in the studio system mean that we're going to get less experimentation, less creativity, or Pat, is it like you said, is it going to be that, well, no, we're already getting that diversity and that creativity from the smaller ones or from Netflix, from Amazon, from a lot of these little upstart things. So I'm, you know, I would like, like you said, Jeff, I'm torn. It's, I'm, I'm looking forward to what this brings, but I'm also a little hesitant. Yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it, too. I mean, it, it'll be really fascinating to see how this how this plays out. And, you know, if if Disney is able to go through with this purchase, what are they going to do with all the properties that um, that they own or that that they'll acquire? Right. It's kind of like, you know, it's at some point there's going to be an end to you know, the Avenger movies. There's going to be an end to movies. There's going to be, you know, I mean, obviously they vow to have a Star Wars movie a year for now until eternity, but, you know, the, 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 you know we, we will move beyond this, the, the period of Marvel characters. And, and so, I mean, it, it could be that maybe they're going to pick up these new properties and, okay, you know, Iron Man has run its course. Captain America has run its course. The Avengers has kind of run its course. Okay, we're going to transition into these guys. We're going to tell these guys stories now. Okay, this has kind of run its course. This has kind of run its course. All right, now we're going to... So it, it could be they're hedging their bets too because they figure that, okay, maybe we're not going to get a reboot and get another 15 movies about Wolverine in, but you know, we just have to be ready because once these other... you know. 
we've already told a lot of Captain America. We've already told a lot of Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. said he's not going to do another Iron Man movie. At least, now that might change. But he said he's never going to do another dedicated Iron Man movie. So, you know, we got to have something coming down the pipe that we can we can glom onto. So, I mean, there might be a, a built-in half-life right there anyways that, you know, they're, they're, they're grabbing these other properties, but they might be letting some of these ones that they've been working with for a couple of years, they might let that fade, you know, fade into the fade into the background. We're just going to, we're going to rehash old movie ideas and we're going to end up with like elastic man goes to camp. Right. Right. Which now that I said that, and now that I'm thinking about it, a young Jim Varney could actually be a really fun, really funny elastic man. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and jump on into our Ernest goes to camp, uh, coverage that we're going to talk about here so uh this one i know we'll, we'll get to talking about it here in a second but i this one was kind of funny for me i had not seen it since i was a kid so it was very very odd to sit back down and, and wonder what it was going to be like to jump back into an earnest movie after not seeing it for gosh 20 some years um mm -hmm. nearly nearly 30 years so uh, but anyway, we if you have not seen Ernest Goes to Camp, we're, we're about to spoil it for you, so just be aware of that, and, and here we go. Uh, so the name of this one is Ernest Goes to Camp. It was released on the 22nd of May, 1987, rated PG with a runtime of one hour and 32 minutes, directed by John R. Cherry III. He also directed Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam, Ernest Saves Christmas, Ernest Goes to Jail, Ernest Scared Stupid, pretty much the Ernest movies. Producer on this one was Stacey Williams. She also did the Ernest movies. Writer was John R. Cherry III, who wrote Dr. Otto, Scared Stupid, and Ernest Goes to Africa. Uh, another writer was Coke Sams, who also did Dr. Otto, Ernest Goes to Camp, Ernest Scared Stupid. Uh, cinematography was done by Harry Mathias, who also did Beverly Hills Bratz, and Jim May, who did the Ernest movies. Music was done by Shane Keister, who did Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloombeam. The budget for this one was $3 million and the box office was $23.5 So even though that's not a lot of money, they still made back all their money on a very small budget. So it was considered a box office success. Jim Varney, who okay. died in 2000, played Ernest P. Worrell. And I did not know up until a few days ago that his middle name, the P in his middle name, stands for Power Tools. Oh. Um, did not know that. Um, know what I mean? And he was in the Toy Story movies, the Beverly Hillbillies, and the Ernest movies. Victoria Racimo played Nurse St. Cloud. She was in Falcon Crest and The Day of the Dolphin. John Vernon died in 2005. He was Sherman Crater. He was in Dirty Harry and Animal House. Iron Eyes Cody died in 1999. He was the old Indian Chief St. Cloud. Uh, he was in A Man Called Horse and Sitting Bull. Lyle Alzado, who died in 1992, played Bronk Stinson. He was the foreman uh, of the construction company. He was in Destroyer and Learning the Ropes. Uh, Gaylard Sartain was Jake. He was one of the chefs. He was in The Outsiders, Fried Green Tomatoes. Daniel Butler was Eddie, the other chef. He was in the Ernest movies. Patrick Day was Bobby Wayne. He was in American Playhouse. And Scott Menville played Crutchfield. He was in Teen Titans Go! Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this 62%, and the audience gave it a 50%. A couple of the critics, Luke Thompson of New York Times, said this is totally undeserving of its status as a punchline. This may be no classic, but it's a fine kitty tale. And Audrey Rock Richardson of the Tuell Transcript Bulletin in Utah said, Just exactly like every other Ernest movie you've ever seen, and yet Varney's innocent playfulness is somehow oddly appealing. CinemaScore gives it a C+. It was nominated for a Razzie. Uh, Jim Varney was nominated for Worst New Star. Uh, it's oh. a Razzie Award. 
and uh, let's see if I can. So this is um, uh, John Ezra helped me kind of write this uh, this thirty second summary that I'm going to try to do here in thirty seconds. So so we'll see how he did. He and I kind of worked on revising it a little bit and writing it together. So we'll we'll see how he did because he's been working on this for several weeks now. In a movie that gets campy really fast, Ernest P. Worrell is maintenance worker at Camp Kikiki. His dream is to be a camp counselor, and his dream comes true in the form of a nightmare that is the second chance gang of kids from the local detention center. There's a lot of falling down and being hit by things as Ernest tries to show the boys they don't need to fall back on their old habits and make life better for, to make life better for themselves. Then Ernest accidentally causes the camp to get sold to a company that just wants to mine it for the precious minerals under the ground. Ernest and the boys fight back with smoke bombs, explosive lobster bisque, and a camp bus battle wagon. The owner of the mining company, Dean Vernon Worm, tries to fight back, but Ernest is earned the bravery of the native warriors of old and cannot be killed. Presenting the one, the only, the original, Ernest P. Worrell in his first motion picture. Uh, Ernest goes to camp. Rated PG. Know what I mean? Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check your local newspaper. Uh, so a couple of things here for this movie. When Ernest suggests singing to the turtle to relax it so that it's not biting his nose anymore, um, or, or the other times they want to sing to the turtles, uh, the song they choose is Happy Together, which is a, 1970s, a 1967 hit by the band The Turtles. Uh, the foreman in this movie, the big guy that Ernest uh, fights at one point, actually broke Jim Varney's nose for real by mistake during the fight scene. Uh, apparently if you're watching the movie, the crack that you hear when he gets punched is actually his nose breaking. Ooh. Uh, it was not added in, not added in post. Yikes. Yeah. And, uh, Jim Varney was famous for appearing in many commercials in the Southern U S before the Ernest movies and TV show began. And that's actually one of the things that I remember as a kid, because we had, um, I remember seeing a bunch of the commercials when I was growing up in Texas. And then I had family that lived in Missouri and uh, he was kind of the spokesperson for, I would guess, it, it's kind of like a Dairy Queen equivalent. It's called Brahms. And it's like an ice cream place, but they've also got burgers and, and other stuff there, too. And uh, he was kind of their spokesperson. So growing up, I would see a lot of him in commercials down there. I don't know how much his commercials got shown you know, up around here in, in the Chicago area, but that was kind of a regular thing to see him you know, selling stuff for either Brahms or for a lot of the... Uh, some of the dairy companies, uh, he did a lot with um, with dairy corporations and, and to try to advertise some of that and some hardware stores and, and those type of things. So um, so he was kind of a, a regular fixture when I was growing up. Um, mm-hmm. So let me start off with this one. Were you a fan? I'm, I'm not going to ask if this is the first time you've seen it because I think, I think we all have seen this one before. Uh, were you a fan of the Ernest movies or TV show growing up as a kid? Is it something you watched regularly? For me, I would say it wasn't something I watched regularly. Okay. Um, I don't think I, it's weird. I have I, I have vague recollections of of the show and the um, the library of movies, but this is the really the only one that I recall ever sitting down to watch. I don't know why. I don't, I don't think it was a conscious choice on my part. Like, oh, that Ernest guy. Yeah. I don't want to watch that. But I don't know. Maybe it was. I just, I, I don't, I just don't recall um, really like getting into his whole, his whole world. Okay. So you didn't watch any of the other Ernest movies? I've seen 
I've probably seen seen some of them, or at least I know I've seen bits and parts of others of them. Okay. Yeah, I've uh, I, I've seen this. I've seen Ernest uh, Saves Christmas, mm-hmm. and those are the only uh, those are the only two that I really remember. I I don't really remember the TV show. Okay. Um. But yeah, the, these just the movies and those two movies in particular. Okay. This one and Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah, for me, the t- the TV show was something I remember watching pretty regularly when it was on. And what's funny to me, and, and this is a question, so if we get, give you some time to think about it, because I'll I'll ask it a little bit later. But for me, this was on round about the same time as I was as I remember watching Pee Wee's Playhouse. And okay. mm-hmm. and those two, so so don't answer it now, and we'll answer it a little bit later. Um, those two to me are are very, um, you know, very much similar characters that came out around about the same time. Um, but I think it's, you know, if I, if I go back to Pulp Fiction and there's the line where you can only be an Elvis fan or a Beatles fan, you can't be both. My question for you later will be Pee-wee or Ernest, which one do you like better? And I asked my kids this and they gave me pretty clear answers. So I'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. You can, you can think about your answer, answer if you need to think about it. But, um, so I remember watching those round about the same time. It was kind of like a combination of, of Ernest and Pee Wee. And then if I wanted to go see something even crazier, I'd go to the movies and I'd watch a Yahoo serious movie. Um, you know, cause I remember him mm-hmm. being kind of that other type of crazy, you know, almost a movie that only a kid would enjoy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, round about the same time, like late eighties or so late eighties, early nineties type stuff. Um, so I do remember being a fan of these movies. I remember seeing the, uh, Ernest goes to camp, Ernest goes to jail. Um, the, uh, Ernest saves Christmas, I think after that, I think I saw Ernest Scared Stupid, but then after that, I th- and there weren't too many other Ernest movies that came out in theaters. Most of the other ones after that were direct-to-video. But I think at that point, I kind of, I got old enough that I lost interest in the Ernest stuff. Yeah. And I think you, you reach a certain age and it just kind of, it, it loses a little bit of its, uh, loses a little bit of its luster, maybe. But... It has run its course. It, is, it has run its course a little bit. Um, so that's what that was interesting to me in watching this, because I haven't seen this movie, The Ernest Goes to Camp, since I was a kid. Um, probably since I was maybe about 10 or 11 years old, so same age as my son. And so it was interesting to me to sit down with the kids and watch this movie, because I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I'm like, I, I might totally hate this movie now that I'm an adult, um, and I'm going to feel bad sitting there hating it while my kids are laughing. So I thought, okay, well, let's... Let's see how weird this gets. And, and my kids loved it. I mean, they were laughing the whole time. They thought it was great. Um, and it was, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it definitely was, I remembered a lot of it. So it was definitely something that was funny and like a, oh yeah, I remember that. That is, that's kind of funny. Or I remember that being funny when I was a kid. But there's also definitely stretches of the movie where I'm like, I, if I was watching this for the first time as an adult, I, I would not like this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would not like it if I'm watching this as an adult. So and I that was one of the things I was gonna mention too is is in watching this movie, kind of one of our questions we tend to ask is does this age well? And I remember we were watching it just, just a couple days ago. We were watching it and I was thinking, Oh wow, you know, we must be at least halfway through the movie, two thirds of the way through the movie at this point. And I looked at my I looked at my clock on my phone and we were only like twenty four minutes into the movie. Ouch. And I was like, wow. Um, all right. So I'm enjoying watching this with my kids, but it's 
this is kind of dragging a little bit. Let's um, let's move the story along. Let's let's get this thing over with. And so, yeah. not that I didn't like it, but it was just it's not the same so, as not the same as when I was so a kid. Do you not think it holds up then? You know, I I think I actually think it holds up fine for kids because my kids loved it. Okay, that that was that was my my next point I, w- I wanted to make is yeah. that clearly it holds up if if your kids are or if your kids enjoyed it then this movie's doing something right. Yeah. But I agree with what you said in that if this was my first time watching this movie I don't necessarily know that I'd make it to the end. Mm-hmm. There was a good chance I just would have hit stop and okay I I got the gist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm, I, I think I'm sorry, Pat. Um, no, go ahead. Sorry. I think I watched it all the way to the end because there was a for me, there was a uh, nostalgia to it. Yeah. And you know, and did I hate it? No, I didn't hate it. Did I really enjoy it? No, I don't think I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Um, it was a fun trip down memory lane for me as I watched this movie. However, I don't think it's one that I'm, I'm going to run to put on again. I think I've, I think there's better movies out there that if I, if, if I want that nostalgia, I have other titles I'll go to before this one. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, no, I, I I was just and and um, uh, I was just kind of uh, affirming what you said. I mean, I, I just I agree with you, um, and I, I agree kind of what what's being said. It's funny we're all kind of in the same boat. I remember this as as a kid. I remember watching it. Um, I I wonder if I saw the show because did he talk to the camera more in the show? He did because the camera was supposed to be his friend Vern. Right. Okay. See, and I remember him talking to Vern. Yeah. So I and like I, the camera, thought, the camera would like move away, and he'd be like, "No, no, no, Vern, come back here," and he'd like grab the camera, and that yeah. was the show. Yeah. Okay. Then I'm, I guess I saw the show. In any event, I, I agree with what was being said. It's it holds up well for kids. I mean, I think the fact that your kids are laughing at it that would be it. I, I just I don't want to look deeper because I don't think there's anything there meant intended to be mm-hmm. deeper. Um, you know, and uh, I, I, I think it's fun for kids, and, and that's, kind of, that's kind of about it. You know, I mean, I don't want to lamb blast the movie um, uh, just because I, I don't think it's intended to be what I as an adult would be asking of it. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, I agree with everything that you guys said. Now I did uh, so. So I will jump to my my question from earlier because I I pulled this up on the screen just now. I I put up a Twitter poll, but I just really I put it up yesterday, so it didn't really have a whole lot of time, and we only got I think maybe four or five votes. Um, the poll that I put put up, I said this is a Twitter poll for the ages. Which of these did you like better from the '80s? And the options I gave people were Pee Wee Herman and Ernest P. Worrell. And interestingly enough, Ernest P. Worrell got seventy five percent of the vote. Ooh. So now, granted, that's only about four or five people, but four or five <laughs> people that responded, seventy-five percent of them said they liked Ernest better than Pee Wee. So, really? if if I asked you guys to vote, how would you vote? 
Would you, Jeff, would you go Pee-wee or would you go Ernest? Well, so I think, I can't believe, first of all, I can't believe I'm giving it this much thought. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this is, this is like one of those, this, this is one of the age old, it's one of the age old questions. It's, you know, when you argue the, the Batman or Superman, are you a Batman or Superman fan? Are you, you know, Beatles or Elvis? It's Pee-wee or Ernest. I think Pee-wee made a better movie. Okay. However, I think the character of Ernest, I like more. Mm-hmm. And this is, and actually, Pat and I kind of chatted about this uh, earlier today. In I, that I, think I'm, I think I'm about to agree with you, so I'm curious to hear what you're going to say. <laughs> The character of Ernest, specifically in Ghost to Camp, yeah, he sees people as people. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're pe- you're a person. I'm a person. We're equals. And there's something very endearing about that type of character. Well, it's not ironic that his name is Ernest. Yeah, true. Um, you know, and 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 I just I really like that, and that. You know, yeah, this this particular movie is is really silly, and as an adult, you're looking at it going, "God, why would I watch this?" Mm-hmm. But when you think of of the example of the you know of the type of character he is that you're putting before kids, I mean, what a great guy! Yeah, really. You know, you're you're seeing someone that is is there for everyone else. You're seeing someone that believes the best. And everyone else, no matter what. What a tremendous example to set for young people. And and that was my kids at first. They kind of they said, "Yeah, it was funny because Ernest was dumb." And so, but then we had a little talk about it, and I said, "Well, no, no, hold on. Is is Ernest dumb? Now, pe- people in the movie called him dumb, but and they kept somebody you know they kept calling him dummy and and all that, but." Was he dumb, or do you think it was something else? And after we talked about it for a few minutes, we, you know, they came to the correct conclusion that Ernest is not dumb; he's innocent, and he, like you said, he he sees people for the way that they are, and I think that's why, you know, if, if I was to pick a character between these two, if I were to pick one that I I'd like as a character better, then I I would also have to go with Ernest, and reason being, for the same reason is. He's the one that, you know, Pee-wee is, is, he's funny. I think Pee-wee's more funny. I think Pee-wee is also more manic. So if I want my kids to see something and, and, you know, experience something with their entertainment that I think is going to be better for them, do I think Pee-wee Herman is hilarious? Absolutely. I probably would rather that they watch Ernest if they're going to watch something like that. You Mm -hmm. know, for the Mm -hmm. same reason that I think, you know, that my wife and I have both uh, you know, our kids, we had them grow up on Mr. Rogers because there's a lot of other entertainment that's out there, but there's just something different about Mr. Rogers that he's intentionally quiet and calm. And you can tell that everything that he did as part of his show was for the benefit of children. And I get that exact same sense from the Ernest character, no matter how silly the movie gets, I still get that sense that, you know, as an actor, as a, as a character that he's doing everything that he does for the benefit of the children watching or other people. 
Mm-hmm. That being said, he yeah. was kind of quick to jump be, into a fight, but I'd be willing to. I'd be willing to believe that, though. Mm-hmm. You know, and and why was he willing to fight? Because he knew. He he knew that those kids needed needed a hero. Yeah. You know, and, and I think as soon as the foreman stands up, he knows that he's in a, a just in a, in a world of, of, of trouble. Right. But, he, you know, he, he took the licks. Mm-hmm. You know, he got his ass handed to him, but he, he took the licks and, and he, he stood there with the kids because that, that was important to the kids. Yeah. So, Pat, what's yeah. your take? Between Pee Wee and Ernest. Definitely Ernest. Um, And and I'm just going to say, like, uh, I'm just going to go with my gut to say, yeah, I think I like the Ernest character better. And, and Jeff, all the hard work that you put in, and John, the effort, the discussion, and and all the thought about this um, rather nonsensical uh, question, (laughs) I'm just going to use all that and just just take that because I, I think you guys summed it up. I mean, it just... When you get right down to it, I, I think Ernest, if there was a good message there, and um, where, not that Pee Wee has a bad message, it just kind of lacks that. He he just, well, geez, guys, I'm just saying what you've already said. Pee Wee just kind of lacks that. Um, you know, I'm gonna keep fighting for you, seeing everybody as people. You guys said it um, uh, much more eloquently than I could try and stumble through for the next half hour. So I'm just going to say, yeah, I agree with what you guys said. And, and, uh, I think if I had to vote, I'd say Ernest. I think Pee Wee served as an example to kids of kind of what to do with your imagination mm-hmm. and, and spoke to that side of a child, the creative side of a child. And Ernest, I think speaks to the, the human side. How you deal with other people. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that one is better than the other because, in, you know, when I think of, it, think of it this way, they're both reaching... They're both reaching kids, but they're, what they're going for is entirely different. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So do we have a, uh, before we wrap everything up, do we have a favorite scene in this movie? Was there a scene that as you were watching it, you're like, oh man, I, I totally remember that scene. Or just, is there a scene that made you laugh out loud? Or do you have a, a favorite part of this? I had scenes coming to me when, like as the movie would start, or, or, or as the movie would progress, I should say. I'd have more scenes coming, like, like, oh, wait, this is going to happen. Oh, right, this is going to happen. Oh, yeah, th- you know, like, w- once you see the guy that owns the construction company. Yeah. Once mm-hmm. I saw him, I was like, oh, right, he's going to go after him with a gun. And Ernest is going to walk right up and stick his finger right in the barrel of the gun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I had all these scenes just flooding back. Is there one that I, I particularly like? I don't. I, I. I. I think any time that you can see Ernest is trying to trying to reach out 
to these kids. And he, you know, and you know, the, he sits down to play to play poker with them. Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 wants the responsibility of of taking them out and and showing them nature in the woods. And yeah, he's he's out of his element because he doesn't really know what he's doing. But that's not important to him. What's important to him is that you know he can be there for for these kids. So when you look at it with that framework, you know, I, I do like that song, the G I'm glad it's raining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it becomes a very touching moment in, in the movie because you're, yeah. you're, you know, you're, you're getting a sense of what his game has been all along mm-hmm. and how, as, as much as he wants to be there for them, how much he needs them as well. And then for those that don't get it, that can't quite put two and two together, you have the you have the nurse come in and just pretty much say, "You boys are idiots." <laughs> yeah, he's done nothing but help you out, and this is the way you treat him. If you haven't been paying attention to the movie up to this point, right? Let me explain to you exactly what's been going on. Let me tell, not show. Yeah. Yeah, I think as as a kid, I think that whole that battle where like where they brought out all the I think any time that happens in a movie where like kids come together and they have like ridiculous weapons that they've built and how they're gonna you know overcome the big enemy and and all that other stuff, um, you know I think that I always tend to like that part in a movie. You know I think this one kind of autom- for some reason made me think of it. Maybe it's just because it's a bunch of kids uh, made me think of like in the movie Hook where like all the lost boys have come up with the armor that they're going to wear and all these crazy weapons they've got they're going to fight all the pirates and you know mm-hmm. but just other movies like that where it's it's kids and they're having to come up with you know some way of of defeating the villain um with all their their creativity and and ingenuity and all that so i think that whole last part where you've got the smoke bombs you've got the parachuting turtles you've got the you know all this other stuff and yeah, I think for me that if I had to pick a, a narrow down to a scene that was was my favorite, um, you know, as an adult, like I said, I, I would think this movie is is entirely silly. Um, but I remember as a kid, so same kind of thing as as you, Jeff. As I'm watching this, I'm remembering more and more of these scenes, and I know what's coming up. Um, and so I think that 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 kind of final scene at the end was uh, was the one that was most memorable for me because I I knew almost every detail of of what was about to happen there. Pat, how about you? Yeah. Favorite scene yeah. or scenes? Um, you know what? I was trying to make no- I was trying to make note of it when I was watching because I'm like, oh, this has got to be my favorite scene. Okay, so and now it's all slipping my mind. But I guess um, you know, I guess the ones, the favorite scenes were, um, you know, when he do some of his mannerisms like the ew yeah. thing that you know. Then we'd all sit around at school the next day, like trying to do that, you know. Um, any chance we could get. I'd I guess that's doing that too. My older brother and I, we would do that all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. I actually, yeah, I, I, I do that on occasion to my kids and, and they, they were like, Oh, that's where that comes from. Exactly. Ex- oh, that's where, yeah. Okay. Now we see where dad's joke material comes from. I think that would have been my favorite. I mean, the, um, the, <laughs> the, the, um, golf cart in the background, yes. just driving by throughout the movie. That was always pretty funny. And then it pulls up and stop and then it pulls up and stops. You know, so that they can pack it with whatever and, and, you know, 
blow up the the, the end loader that's crushing things. You know, was, I, was I, it I, uh, was it Anton Chekhov who said that uh, you know if you're going to show a golf cart in Act One, you better use it by Act Three. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was. I think that he was the guy that said it. Um, yeah, so I guess those would have been my my favorite scenes. I mean, no one big scene that I'm going to go back and watch, but just you know the funny m- mannerisms and. Um, I, I gotta be honest with you. I guess I haven't grown up that much because I walked around today and I think every time I saw either of you guys, I'm just like, yeah, so are we podcasting later? Know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> you know, so, so I guess, I guess I really haven't progressed that much in 30 years. Um, <laughs> cause I'm still quoting and doing the, the movie, but, uh, that's right. We but, are podcasters extraordinaire. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Um, and and I guess I guess it worked because I mean I felt I felt bad for him when he was sitting there you know you know I'm glad it's crying and or I'm glad it's crying I'm glad it's <laughs> raining or whatever the name of that tune was and I think Jeff this is what you know you mentioned that we discussed it before I just kind of had enough of just how mean everybody was in the thing and I think you're right you know that just brought out that and especially for some you know a kid that's watching this is just going to see okay, yeah, that's the right way to do it. No matter how mean people are, you keep, you know, you kill them with kindness. You keep focusing on doing the right thing. Um, and uh, so I guess they had to do that to really drive that point home to a nine-year-old mind or a 10-year-old mind. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I like that song, not because it made me feel good, but just because it really, uh, you know, it kind of brought me into the movie, so... Yeah. So yeah. So maybe this movie isn't as bad as we thought. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, it definitely I it definitely has its redeeming qualities about it. I, I'm not going to say that as I watched it this time. You know, I I was entertained. I I can't say that you know I was sitting there just howling with laughter like I did as a kid. Um, right. You know, so it wasn't it wasn't horrible. It wasn't as funny as I remember it being, or it wasn't funny as I I used to think it was, but. You know, definitely, it it definitely had its redeeming pieces. It definitely, you know, the the character of Ernest is always, like we said, um, I I probably am a little bit more attached to Ernest Saves Christmas. Um, I I do like yeah. that one, maybe a little bit better than uh, Ernest Goes to Camp, and um, you know, I just and and again, it's just more of his innocence and more of his, you know, loyalty to people. And, you know, just always wanting to, you know, just, just sit and chat with somebody. I, I remember the scene in Ernest Saves Christmas where he's driving in the, I think he's a taxi cab driver and he's driving Santa Claus and he's just there talking to him and just, you know, having a good time. And he just, I think, I think part of it is he reminds me some of his, uh, some of his, uh, not the weirdest vocal manner- mannerisms that he has, but some of his vocal mannerisms uh, remind me actually of one of my grandfathers. Okay. And so just kind of like his, you know, just almost like that country way of talking to people, um, you know, that very Southern style of, yeah, let's just sit down. We'll, we'll talk for a little bit. We got, you know, we got all the time in the world. Let's just talk. How are you doing? And you know, that kind of just getting along with people and just being seemingly mm-hmm. genuinely interested in people and what's going on with them. Um, you know, I think is why, this movie still holds up for me. If, if the character wasn't that way, then I definitely wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I did. So I, I mean, I still was, I still was looking at my watch 
uh, you know, as the movie went on, I, they it could have gone. It was only an hour and a half, but it could have been a little shorter. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I think for me as an adult now, Ernest is good in small doses. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion of Ernest Goes to Camp. Um, so I think I think our consensus we've come down to is, uh, you know, it's it's definitely if you haven't seen it before, it's probably definitely worth at least giving it a try. Um, oh yeah. And I think I think this probably, in terms of the other critics that I read and, and, and other things, this is probably the most successful of the Ernest movies. Um, now, it, it's been a while since I've seen Ernest Saves Christmas in its entirety. So I still think maybe I like that one a little bit better. But, um, you know, I'll have to go watch that one again just to see. And now that I know my kids like the Ernest character, we can we can pull those movies out, go find those, and, and I'm sure they'll enjoy watching those. Um, but no, I, I think definitely if, you, if you've if you not seen this before, especially if you've got kids, um, definitely at least give this one a try. And if you don't like it, then it was only an hour and a half of your life, and you were just yeah. going to waste it doing something else anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, we are the 30-something movie podcast, so there are other places you can find us. You can find us, all of these, all of our social media stuff is going to be 3-0 and the word podcast. So 30podcast.com is our website. Uh, you can email us, 30podcast at gmail.com, if you want to get in touch. And if you totally disagree with us, or if you if you think Yahoo Serious is the greatest uh, late 80s child uh, movie comedian of all time, then feel free to email us and tell us why we are totally wrong. Um, I'm serious. Seriously, I remember going to see some of his movies in the theater. Yikes! I don't know why my parents would have given me money to go see those, but yeah, like young uh, was it young Einstein was one of them. Yeah, I I remember seeing him in the theater, and, and that's probably best left unexplained. Um, so thirty podcast at gmail dot com thirty podcast dot com as I said is our website. <clears throat> we are on Twitter at thirty podcast. We are on Facebook thirty podcast. Uh, you can also listen to us. Um, you're already listening to us if you hear all this, but uh, you can listen to us from our website or you can subscribe in iTunes. We are also on Google Play, Satchel, and Stitcher. Um, our next episode's coming up. Our next one coming up is going to be Fatal Attraction. So this is kind of an interesting one-two punch. This was our month of like leftovers mm-hmm. that we didn't really know where to put these and any of the other themes that we had uh, throughout the year. So we're going to jump from Ernest Goes to Camp to Fatal Attraction because those movies are absolutely similar to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And then coming up soon, hopefully, I know we haven't, our schedules with December and, and all the other stuff with school going on and, and life, personal life and all that. We haven't had a chance to see the disaster artist yet, but, yet, but I know we're wanting to see that. So hopefully sometime before the end of December, uh, we're hoping to do a disaster artist episode after we've had a chance to see it. We're going to be doing Throw Mama from the Train as our last 1987 movie, and then Star Wars The Last Jedi, and then we're also going to try to fit in there uh, the 75th anniversary Casablanca episode. And I think at this point we've all seen, or at least the three of us, have all seen Casablanca. I'm working my way through it, man. You're working? Okay. I'm working my way through okay. it. Okay. All right. So we'll be doing that one pretty soon, too. So we'll let you know, either through Twitter or one of our other uh, social media outlets, we'll let you know what's coming up soon. But our next episode, uh, next time, next week, will be Fatal Attraction. So come on back here for that one. In the meantime, thank you, Jeff, and thank you, Pat. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. 
be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies. We will see you know all what I mean? next time. Know what I mean? I could count on till the end What they wanted was a hero All I needed was a friend Gee, I'm glad it's raining I hope the morning sun won't come up soon long as it keeps raining No one knows my heart broke right in two